Missouri, this is The Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia, and welcome to another edition of The Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Harry, and alongside me is Michael Amami and Logan Franz. It is Friday, April 12, 2019, and it feels like December again. Like, what? what is with this? I'm tired of it. I think it happened purely so you can mention it this week. I think it was getting better, and it was kind of a non-factor last week, and then I had to come back, and it had to come back and hit you, because... Otherwise, what would you mention at the start of the show? Because, because right, right now, my allergies don't know what's going on. Like, early in this week, it's like 80 degrees, so I'm in the middle of, like, dying. And it's just not fun. And now, since it's cold, I just don't know how I'm supposed to get used to this again. Is it, is it going to stay? I know it's staying for the weekend. It should be back by the start of next week. I think we're we're hitting spring. You know, we just hit a little little roadblock in the way. I mean... Michael over here next to me walked into the studio today in shorts, and I'm Thank not quite you. sure how. Thank you That's, so much. I, I don't I understand. I really you. want to be talked about on the show about how my fashion sense. <laughs> you know what? I woke up this morning and I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to check my phone. I'm not even going to check the weather because I can just assume that now it's going to be at least 65 degrees when I walked out. Well, the first thing I did was is when I opened that door, I was met with like an ice block of like wind. And I was like, oh, my God. And I didn't have enough time to go back into my dorm and get the jacket because I was like, okay, I just have to put up with this. This is what you get when you cut it too close. You leave at 740. This is what you get. And so I walked out, and I was like, you know what? I said to myself the entire time, I was freezing my tail off, but I was like, you know what, Michael, you deserve this for getting up and, and or for leaving the dorm at 740. I feel like that's a little cruel to yourself yeah. to say that you I, deserve hey, this. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you have to be able to coordinate and allow yourself to understand the situation, which makes yourself feel better sometimes. And, you know, it was... punishment doesn't make you feel better. Well, you know what? I did, you know, I, you know it, I just did me this morning. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do me, and I'm going to feel like, you know what? I feel like I need to punish myself for leaving too late. And so I didn't check the weather because I was so confident that I was going to be at least 65, and I walked out, and it was like 40. And I was like, my goodness, it's cold out. But you know what? I live my life. I made it over here in time. And uh, you know what? I was a little chilly, but walked in shorts and a short sleeve, got laughed at by two people. But you know what? Uh, I think we're ready for a great show today, and that's, that's got me pumped up. And with that, we have an announcement here. KCOU's marquee music event is almost here. F88, presented by KCOU, is this Saturday, April 13th, at Cafe Berlin. This year, F88, hosted by our very own cousin Trent, boasts is a lineup of Eric Dante, Junior Clooney, Tennis Club, and 18 and counting. Once again, that is Saturday at Cafe Berlin. The door is open at 7, the show starts at 8, and the tickets are only $8 at the door. F88 is presented by KCOU 88.1 FM this Saturday, 7 p.m. at Cafe Berlin. And with that, we're going to dive into our first topic here. We're going to, I know, we're a little late to the party here when it comes to March Madness. I mean, it's it's Friday. Very late Champions to the party. Champions are on Monday. But still, I think it's important to take a, a step back and just look at how this tournament was as a whole. And believe it or not, that championship game was a lot better than a lot of people said it was going to be. Yeah. It was kind of like a defense fest as people expected as it started. And then as the game went on, it got better and into overtime. It was just an overall exciting game to watch. And overall, this tournament really picked up as the final four rounds started. I got to ask you guys, did you guys see Kyle Guy's tweet 
I did not. It was like, I think it said like beautiful pain. And then it said, what if I told you dot, dot, dot. And then there was a picture of him on the left, like after the loss that he had last year. And then there was the picture of him like jumping around. Cause there was like, he had, cause last year there were, they took a picture of him and he had like two guys had their arms around him. Cause he was like so upset right. and like the camera got a shot of it. And so he, I think he screenshotted that put that on the left and then on the right it that said 2018 then 2019 there was a picture of him um where he ran across the court after they had won and jumped in the air and did like a fist pump and that he's that said 2019 that said beautiful pain and then it's i think it was beautiful pain and it said what if i told you dot 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 it was incredible because i couldn't believe it i was like looking at it, i was like you know espn should do a 30 for 30 on this <laughs> i think they're planning on doing one are they not i i would hope so because i think this is just one of the greatest stories um I've ever seen. I mean, in terms of a team that, you know, the complete turnaround from absolute embarrassment last year and then to go from that to winning the entire thing is just incredible. And how they did it was incredible. At this time, I'd like to take a shot at myself here. I screwed up last week. I said that the 2019 season was the first time the Cavaliers made the Final Four. I want to correct myself because I want to be, I want to be as transparent as possible. They made the Final Four in 1981, 1984. So that was their third time. And yeah, it's their first championship, and they did deserve the win. The way that they came back in the last three games of the season, down three points, two points, they hit that buzzer beater to tie the game instead of the overtime against against Purdue. They deserved it more than anyone. Yeah, like, Virginia. It, it was just meant to be. Yeah, it's fate. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm not. I, I was. I I will tell everybody on here. I was kind of rooting for Texas Tech because I felt like they were the underdog. But I will say this: it was a very very good game. Very, very hard-fought, well-played. Um, I thought it was going to be a defensive matchup. I felt like that was taking place the first half. The second half, things really picked up. I thought it was very, very exciting. That overtime was incredible. Um, and then the offense just started picking up the guys that were hitting threes. I mean, if you looked at Kyle Guy's game, um, you know, it was just it was incredible. That step back, I got yelled at by somebody for trying to compare him to Kemba Walker. Um, but what I'm saying is, I mean, and that was iconic. I mean, if you replay that again, tell me that that does not at least look like, you know, 75 percent similar to Kemba Walker. Please. DeAndre Hunter, too, had a great game for Virginia. He was the one who made the buzzer beater three pointer to tie the game and send it into overtime. And then he also made the game winner in overtime after that shot. Virginia never, um, never trailed again in that game. So it was with two minutes left in overtime, but it was, it was a great game all around for Virginia. And if you're a Texas tech in that situation, you, you could not make it go in overtime because if you give a team a chance to tie the game, they come in the overtime with so much momentum and we've said it, I've said it calling games. I'm pretty sure you've said it as well, Logan and Michael, that basketball is a game of momentum. And if you let the other team carry that into, let's say, the next, the next half or overtime, it's going to be kind of hard to stop them. Well, and Texas Tech had the momentum for a while because they were putting Virginia on ice and kind of chipping away at this lead Virginia had. And then, like I said, DeAndre Hunter hits that three to send the game into overtime. And it just shifts. And I don't think Texas Tech ever really came back from, from that one. Especially in overtime, they were outscored. And that's just part of that thing. Momentum. You can't let the other team back in. You got to just put your foot on the gas pedal. You got to keep going. And you got to make sure that they cannot fight their way back in. Yeah. And if you do, you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to fight through that and swing the momentum. And Texas Tech just wasn't able to do that. I felt like, and this happened to me a lot um, this year with a lot of the teams that I was pulling for, 
Um, generally, the teams that, and this is, I, I believe this happened in every single game that went to overtime, the team that I was pulling for and it went into overtime didn't make it. And, you know, it's really incredible that just that subtle five minutes that just does not look like much. I mean, it's I mean, I know it's you know, you, you do have five minutes of play, but, it, you know, I feel like the, the, the college basketball is so special because it's just so short. So much can happen in so little time and um, opponents really don't have a lot of time to come back. Um, and, and you really can't dig yourself into too big of a hole there. And I think that's what Texas Tech did, unfortunately, when they got involved with Virginia. As you said, momentum shifted, and then Virginia just got really ahead of Texas Tech, and then Texas Tech just didn't have enough time to come back. And I felt like Virginia maintained control throughout the game until the last, ha- last few minutes of the half when Texas Tech kind of came back and made that push. And uh, ultimately, when Virginia came back, the momentum shifted again. I just knew that Virginia was going to win. No, it, it was a very even game throughout the entire first and second half. You had Virginia winning 32-29 at the end of the first, and just Texas Tech outscoring Virginia by just three points in the in the second half. But what that overtime just ru- just no, I don't say ruined. It really showed what was going to happen on the outcome of this game. Virginia scored 17 points. Texas Tech only scored nine. Yeah, in sports, when you get a game that's sent into overtime like this, the team that's going to win is the team with the most fight. And Texas Tech stopped putting up a fight, and Virginia was able to take advantage of that and take the lead and win the game. Yeah, I mean, it was overall, it, I mean, everything from the you know the style of play, from the storyline, from you know the emotion, um, one of the best uh, Final Fours I've ever seen, guys. And I got to tell you, you know, just the whole storyline with, you know, as and most poignantly Kyle Guy, but obviously there were other guys on this team too that felt that loss of last year. And to come back from that and to pull this out in the way that they did it with, you know, and it wasn't just that game where they had, I mean, overall, if you, they, somebody took, tweeted um, all the last second shots that they made, and there were a lot of them. They're, they made one against Purdue, and I think they made one against, um, what am I thinking? They made one earlier in the tournament, and then they made one against Purdue. They made one in that game. It was just the, the team is just so – it's like how could you not root for them? They're just such a come-from-behind team. And it was against Auburn. Auburn, in, that's right. In the Final Four. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's been their story. I mean, it's just come from behind last second. Um, they're a very, very exciting team, and I think this program is going to have a lot of momentum going into next season as well. Now, I want to just take a step back here. Where does this tournament compare to prior years? I think it's one of the best we've seen in a while, to be quite frank. I and mean... Th- there wasn't a lot sorry. of excitement in, like, the first couple rounds. It kind of moved slowly. There was a couple upsets, but nothing, like, nothing major. But then once the Elite Eight hit, everything just started... Everything started going and building, and it was, it was a fun tournament to watch towards the end. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Um, I think we have to put it in perspective because I think last year was a disaster, um, I thought, with uh, the— Disaster? No, not disaster. I just—I did not think it was that exciting. Really? Yeah. Really? The last— I'm very surprised by that. You know what? You have to put it in perspective here because 2010 was unbelievable because Butler— I mean, the thing is, is— I think this year was so special because we had like football schools, schools that we wouldn't ordin- or ordinarily think would be, you know, meant to be in this position, go there. Auburn with the run. I mean, just because when you look at the comparison, 2010, Duke Butler, 
um, you know, how tight that game was in the last second shot that didn't go. And then you had UNC, um, Villanova, and they won at the buzzer. Last year was exciting, but it did not compare, I felt like, to those tournaments, um, respectively. And so this year um, was very, very exciting. I don't know if it tops Villanova, UNC, um, just because of what had happened with Villanova winning their first uh, national title. Um off of a buzzer beater, three-point shot against UNC. But um, I'd say the storylines going into this tournament were, were made it, lifted it higher than what I think my opinion would be for the others. I just think it's hard to look at it. Last year, the championship was very anticlimactic. We very, all know that. That was very, not a good turn, Not very. a good championship. When you look at what happened to the road there, you had Loyola, everyone's favorite Cinderella, that just appeared out of nowhere. And you have the first time ever, and of course I will remember this for the rest of my life, that a 16th seed upset a first seed. And that alone is something that some people have have said well, we will never see. I think stuff like that, especially Loyola didn't win the thing. They made it to the final four. They were I would, I, you know what? I was reason why I call it. I, I didn't mean to call it a disaster on point, but what I said was the reason why I'm still a little bit upset is because they didn't win it. Did they break your bracket? They, well, I mean. Maybe, but what I'm saying is, ah. is that okay? Well, I'm not just. I I was happy for them. I really was. Sister, you know, the, what was it Sister Jean? Yes. I she's great. I unbelievable. She got a ring, didn't she? I believe so. Yeah, believe she so. deserves it. I mean, that Loyola team last year was awesome. I just, um, you know, it's just for me. It's like I would have rather seen them win the thing and me be wrong than for them to not win the thing and then for me to still be wrong. So, you know what? That's why I was upset because of last year. Because it hurts your bracket? Yeah, I mean, it hurt my feelings a little bit that they won. But you know what? If they had won the whole thing and I was wrong, I would have been okay with it. But they didn't do either of those things. They destroyed me, and then they also didn't win the tournament. Because right now, the way I look at it now, that that is my favorite my favorite tournament I've seen in my life. Now, granted, that, and that's my favorite been, team I've that I've seen in my life. I've only been following it for, I'd say, the last six, six, seven years, I think. Yeah. I believe so. That I really paid attention to it. I last watching last year's tournament in comparison to this one. There's just something special about last year. I was, I agree. There, there there was this feeling of just upsets. You have the 16th seed in the second night of the, the tournament, which killed me, but I loved it at the same time. They won by 20 points, and I think it was more that Virginia. I mean, they even said that Virginia played like flustered last year. Like, that Virginia just did not play well. Well, they were just amazed. I mean, what do you do in It, it wasn't amazed. They lost by, like, 20 points. I, I mean, it was, it was an absolute disaster. I mean, they were throwing up bricks the entire game. They just looked <laughs> off. They could not, you know, the passes were not there. They were completely disrupted. I mean, I guess, what was it, UMBC yes. had some, you know, level of confidence. They were, they were good. They were competent in that game. Um, but Virginia, the expectation... How do you lose that badly when you're a one seed playing a 16 seed? I have no idea, and I think some of that loss fell on them, and that's what carried them this year. I have one thing. Now, we all believe in the transitive property, right? Yes. Yes. Does this mean that UMBC is there for the national championship for beating Virginia? No, Virginia just played poorly. UMBC are national I mean, champions. By, if by it was last year. transitive property. But the, the team changed. It's a, it's a different it season. The, the transitive property doesn't change. That's all that matters. The transitive property <laughs> has to change with the season. It has to change. I think you. I feel like you if can you, only do UCF that. If UCF can go, can go claim a national championship, I mean. 
UCF, come on, come on. Uh, this UCF. <laughs> I was mad that Taco Fall so, did not get it. One year. thing, one final question Seven for this. Foot six. What is your favorite moment from this tournament? I'd have to say um, John Morant's triple double. It's something we don't see a lot in this in these tournaments, and I think t- for him to get that was a special moment. Also, I want to give an honorable mention to um, I don't want to say miracle run, but the run that Auburn had because I don't think anyone really expected them to come out and make the final four like they did and then they did and it was it was a lot of fun to watch um i really i i was not thrilled with auburn in this tournament and then i just heard bruce pearl speak for five minutes and then i loved him um i literally the team played with so much emotion my favorite moment in this tournament i know they lost a chumo kiki um to that horrible injury but when they played against unc and they won it was pretty incredible um, that to me, I think was one of the biggest moments in this tournament for me. And then obviously how well they hung with, uh, Virginia, uh, in that final four game and just the emotion with that team, I think was something that I'll remember for a while. My favorite moment was Duke, Michigan state. Well, that was a fun game. That was how one of the best games I've ever seen. We, Logan and I just got, came back from, from spring break from Chicago and we come in in the last 30 seconds of the game. Right. Seeing that last shot in something, now I can come off and before before a few weeks ago I really hated Duke, and I looked at myself in the mirror and realized really I only hated, hated Duke because the NCAA doesn't punish blue bloods. That whole stuff, that whole ugh, that's a whole. I'm sure you hate hole. UNC too. I actually don't for some reason, which is weird. Why? But anyways, anyways, just that's seeing up. how Michigan State got that lucky hit off the rim, unlike what Duke had the entire tournament. Just seeing how Michigan State react, all the players running onto the court, it was just something I think was probably the best moment I've seen in this tournament. Yeah, you were watching Duke, and they had a couple games where it was just kind of the bounce of the ball, you know, whether it goes their way or it goes another, and you couldn't help but feel like this was the one where it wasn't going to bounce that way, and then it ended up being that, and Duke ended up falling. I felt bad for Zion and R.J. Barrett. I mean, they're just two great players, and I know they both will uh, declare. They've already declared for the NBA draft. Um, Cam Reddish has as well. Huh? Cam Reddish has as well. Yeah, that's right, right. So they're a great great team, and um, I think that they've always had kind of that, and I think that's why people hate them so much is because they just have gotten sometimes lucky in the tournament, and sometimes it's just been great play. Um, I expected them to go further than this. I really did. I mean, let's admit it. I really did. Um, I was happy Michigan State won, but uh, my expectations for Duke were not met this year. And, you know, I, as much as I wasn't rooting for them and I hated them, I, I was a little bit upset at the end of that game. I would reason. just like I would just like to note that I had Michigan State beating Duke in my bracket. So I can sort of that. I did not. <laughs> I had that. I did All not. Right. With that, we're going to head off to break. When we come back this week in baseball. Listen to Hot Corner. Stay tuned. KCOU 88.1 FM presents F88 featuring Eric Dante, Junior Clooney, Tennis Club, 18 and Counting, April 13th at Cafe Berlin, doors at 7 p.m., show at 8 p.m. Be there. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. 
Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. You love them enough to do anything for them. Mom, I need to be wiped. Coming. Including checking NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Time for This Week in Baseball, where we take a look at what has happened in the past seven days in the Major League Baseball. <laughs> the only one. The, the only, Major League the Baseball. One. The only Major League Baseball. The Twitter, the Facebook. Yes. You sound like my dad now. <laughs> At least I didn't come in wearing shorts and a short sleeve shirt. Okay, you know what? Degrees. You know what? You're going to get targeted for that. And I, yes. You deserve every bit of it. Yes. Yes. All right, so... A lot has happened in the past week, and something we've all seen, a, a new two major records were broken, the Mariners Ugh. extending their home run streak, and one that just makes me feel so bad is Chris Davis has now oh. been O for 53, and it's Chris Davis oh with the C, not, not the Chris Davis on the A's. O for 53 is the longest streak in MLB without a How hit. is that possible? I don't understand. I mean, how? Yeah, I was just I was listening to the Nats broadcast. I think Bob Carpenter was talking about this. A guy, most people like don't even have that opportunity to be that bad. Like, I mean, how do you not? People don't even have that many plate appearances. I mean, if you're a starter like Chris Davis is, and you're getting paid that much money, you put him in the lineup. And I was, you know, I just tuned in casually to the Orioles game because I was just like, you know what. You know, maybe he's gonna he's he's actually gonna be so bad to the point where he breaks the record. I kind of have to see this because I don't I don't pay any attention to Baltimore whatsoever unless they're in the news for some reason. Um, and yeah, I mean it was is the ball that he hit that made him over. Um, I think it was forty nine was the record, right? Over forty nine was the record. Yes, I that so. the the hit or not not the hit. Obviously, that would be a miracle. The um. The contact that he made was actually decent. It was caught by an Oakland A in left field. It was actually a deep shot. It was a nice... I believe it was a line drive to left. Line drive to left. And it actually carried well. Um, but it just looks harder to get hits in that ballpark when you're just, you know, when you have him at the plate because he just looks so off. And uh, I want to say his his last hit came on September 14th, 2018 against James Shields of the Chicago White Sox. I mean, that... That was a you, double, you right? You can't help but feel bad. Like, you feel bad. Like I don't you, feel you're, bad you're for a guy getting paid him. that much money to it doesn't matter go about over the for money. 53. Just seeing a guy just suffer for that long. He's still getting paid I know, a lot of money still, to be that bad. Still. You didn't. First off, no one expected him to be this bad. Now, he had a really bad season last year. Bad once. He used That's to be, bad. like, good. Like, I mean, I remember the days. Like, I saw him physically hit a home run in Safeco Field at the time when Seattle was playing Baltimore. I physically saw him hit a home run. I remember when this guy was like it. And then he just wasn't good anymore. And I don't know if he's going to get back there. But to me, like, I feel like I'm mad at him for not reaching the same peak that he was at and then them paying him for the player that he was. Is it's this- like... Is this a scenario where people are going to be like walking around and they're like, "Well, I'm old enough to remember when Chris Davis hit home runs." Yes, I remember that. <laughs> I feel like back that's my day. <laughs> yeah, Chris right. Davis hit 53 home runs. He did. I because I remember physically seeing him do it, and then I was like, you know what? Then they paid him all this money, and I was like, okay, they're, but they're paying him for the player that he was four years ago, not what he is today. I feel like. 
it's, it's you, you got to have some empathy. Some, some I mean, I, I, I'm upset for him. I am. And I'm sure he feels bad, too. But, I mean, if you're getting like, paid you, that you much money. You just hate to see it. Yeah, you hate to see it. That pretty much sums it up for me. You do. You hate to see you it. You really do. One thing that, no, There's something he just, has to be doing better, though. I just don't think it's a string of bad luck. Going off of that, there's one thing that's just really confused me. Now, along with that 0-53 thing, why haven't Dallas Keuchel, Craig Krimble, Ken, Craig Kimbrell, Craig Krimble, jeez, Chris Kringle. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having some trouble here today. Dallas Keuchel, lack of sleep? Question mark. <laughs> why haven't they signed? I don't know, man. They? I'm mad. <laughs> like, I, I they can, could go. I can say one team that needs someone like Dallas Keuchel. Everybody needs Dallas Keuchel. The Chicago Cubs need Dallas Keuchel. I can say that with 100% certainty. I feel like you're getting very upset at us about something that we can't handle. Like, I know, you're just but it, you, get, you guys have to feel us. the same way. I, I these do guys, feel Why the these guys way. haven't signed? This doesn't make sense. It really doesn't, especially when you look at Craig Krimble. That's a hard name to say. <laughs> Craig Kim- Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell. There you go. When you look at the bullpens of some teams out there and you wonder why he's not exactly in that bullpen, it just doesn't make sense. I thought he was going to... I mean, you're going to look at me like I'm crazy again, which you do every week, but... I honestly thought Craig Kimbrell was going to go before Harper. Honestly, I thought he was going to sign before Harper. I, no, I swear, I swear. Because the thing was, is that I thought the guys like that had like you know, I mean, I thought he was like a shoe in. I knew Harper was going to be difficult because he had like a lot of teams. But I thought there were teams that like flat out needed a closer that badly, and then it just didn't happen. And now we're sitting here in April. I thought he was going to get signed at least before spring training, and then we're sitting here in April. And then he's still at home doing, I don't know what, but he was by far the best closer last year. And I think he still has a lot of that. And then you're telling me that there aren't teams that need him right now? At least 10 oh, teams? There's, that, there's a lot of teams. I don't know him. how much he's demanding, but I think people can pay him. I don't know why it's taking this long, um, but I can give you at least five teams right off the bat that could use a good quality closer right now or at least setup guy. Name those five. Okay, um, <laughs> Baltimore, um, Texas. Um, I think Washington's pretty set with Doolittle, um, so I don't think they need him. Although they he hasn't let up, he hasn't a lot of single run this entire season. Doolittle's been great, and if you saw Doolittle um, against Philadelphia when he struck out Harper uh, with like the winning run, or excuse me, yeah, the winning run on second, that was pretty incredible. So yeah, I think Washington's set. I think St. Louis could use a setup guy. I don't think they need a closer. I think they're pretty pretty solid with Hicks. The A's, I think, could use Kimbrell. Um, I think Boston <laughs> could use Kimbrell. Um, and I think Chicago Thank could you. use Kimbrell. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I was waiting for that. I was like, the Orioles, I mean, they're kind of just going to... They're going to do that. Baltimore needs anything and everything. The Orioles like. are tanking for Zion. I feel, like, I feel like in terms of <laughs> pitching, the Cubs need everything and every, yes. everything as Trust well. Trust me, I know. Well, they're still at least competent. If you're Baltimore, you're not competent. Right. Silence. Silence. Because it's not like you said confident. Competent. <laughs> competent. Whatever. I for can't, the record. <laughs> yeah, nobody can pronounce anything today. It's too early. It's, it's, it's Friday. It's that weird winter day, and everyone just kind of gets confused as to what's going on. For the record, they're hitting home runs, so it's kind of it's not been as noticeable, but Seattle could also use a decent oh my. loser. 
you know what? You would guys you could lose. Stop please. it with the Mariners. Seriously. <laughs> I'm just like, saying. You join a you team and all it? of a sudden they're just good. Would you I know, stop it? I don't it. know how it happened. But stop I mean, it. There are other. Jump the bag way and come to the Cubs. Enough. Like, you just switch, switch back and forth. Had the Cubs win like 10 in a row. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to go back to the Mariners. Have the winner. I'm going to Just, let you, uh, just let you guys get a little win. Yeah, for a team yeah. when it's convenient. I think it's um, We've had a bunch of other surprising teams too like you were telling me before we started about the Padres how they're leading the NL yeah, West so for the first time since September 25th 2010 the Rays have showed up to play the season as well there's a lot Rays of, are great there's a lot of surprises in the season I want to take some time to talk about the Mariners uh, what what's with the hatred over there Michael I just that sigh of just I'm anger mad at the fact that Logan just Pick the team this year, and they're great. I, and I can like, see that. Honestly, I'm just like you know what? I've had so much bad luck with no, the teams haven't. that I've, and I'm looking at him sitting to my left, and I'm like, <laughs> ten and two. Is it ten and two? It's like I just thirteen and two now. Excuse me, yes, thirteen and two. And two. Sorry. A, um, the I hottest was, start I ever remember of a team in recent memory. I was thinking about Bob Carpenter's quote earlier because apparently everybody else in their broadcast are talking about this. I was watching a completely irrelevant game between the Nationals and Phillies, and they talked about how the Mariners were ten and two, and it was annoying me. So that just stuck well, they're the hot me. team to talk about. Well, that's yeah, it's obnoxious. Is. So people got to stop doing it and just pretend like there's a team out there in the Pacific Northwest that's just doing well, and we all just doing go about well. Our that's doing great. Yeah, they deserve to be it's, talked about. Okay, they have a Sit. league record fifteen games consecutively with a home run 11 different players have hit home runs in that span i'm just not happy about it I'm the, just not the, happy the team is led by a player you can't hate daniel vogelbach you can't hate him i don't hate anybody but you know what six homers i RBI. hate you know what i hate 100. i hate the fact that you hate the fact that they're good and you're not the reason the mariners swept the royals is daniel vogelbach the final no, game of the series top. final game of that series went into 10 innings and in the top of the 10th daniel vogelbach hits a one-run homer i think mariners reality is going to hit six, the mariners six, six, at some five. point I, I mean everyone reverts back to the mean that's how it goes <laughs> in sports yeah eventually Agreed. the mariners should go back to being what they're supposed to be projected they're on a crazy pace and i don't think they can or should be able to hold that up but they've held it up for this long which is surprising in itself i agree with what a friend of ours told us and and to this statement, I will say, you know what, they are good right now, and they're talking about right now, and they may not be, they're probably not going to be the team to talk about in three months, so let's just talk about them now. I agree with that statement. You know, give them, give them the praise right now because we don't know what's going to happen. I'll just take it in stride and, and just sit here and mope and, and weep about it. Uh, <laughs> quit weeping about it. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, you know what, 15-2, and two, that's – pretty darn good and you know what i will i will accept that they were projected They're, to go 75 and 88 by bleacher report. okay i would just like to it's, it's bleacher report i mean it's also they april. made me look terrible last week it's also april but i would just like to Jeez, that's some hostility there. i would <laughs> just like to point out that michael has tried to say the record twice and has gotten it wrong both times it's 13 and 2 excuse me 13 and 2 get it right <laughs> i am Do sorry why did I say ten and two? Then I said fifteen and two. Fifteen and two. No one's even played seventeen. I mean, games yet. fifteen games. I guess you were thinking of. Why did I? Yeah, I don't know why. I, I again, guys, lack of sleep is is killing me. Too. And I, I think the but Mariners yes. are that sleeper pick in the West. In Speaking my in sleep, my opinion, yeah. they're the sleeper pick in the West. Really, you're just not going to ignore the fact that the Astros are kind of there and uh, the Astros. Are, I will not say that they're not a good team. I mean. But I can see somewhere in reality where the Mariners come in second place and make it a wild card. Yeah, Not yeah, the A's. I can see that. The Angels have just kind of been irrelevant for the past, like, eight years. I think it's bound to happen. 
I just feel like the Mariners have just been so bad for so long that I think like it's a just franchise it has just to happen. Pain, suffering. I will get mad if they do that because happen. I will get mad at the fact that Logan, to the grace of goodness, just picked the team this year out of nowhere, and they just we thought it was going to be a rebuilding season. I was like, okay, maybe Especially Logan will. When Ichiro retired, yeah, it's like Logan's going to get his feet wet in this baseball thing, and he's going to you know he's going to pick a team and he's going to you know gradually become a fan. Uh, throughout the years because they're going to become good. Well, this year he just picks a team and they're awesome and everybody else just sucks. Can I ask a How unfair is that? Unrelated? I'm just well, mad. So Mike Trout is widely considered to be the best player in baseball. Yes. He's on the Los Angeles Angels. What does it feel like every team that has the best player in export besides football is just irrelevant? The Oilers have Connor McDavid, who is, in my opinion, unequivocally the best player in hockey, and they're just kind of irrelevant. It's just how it is. I'd like why? Why can't you just have other good players to surround your generational? I mean, talent? the the Angels did have they have good players. Just everyone gets hurt in that team. What I don't understand is when the and Angels were at their prime. When everybody was at their prime in Los Angeles, and they're such the, sha- the, the shadow California Angels of the Dodgers of Anaheim in Los Angeles. The shadows of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think do them in pretty terribly, but. Um, when they had Pujols and they had C.J. Wilson and all the, and decent starting pitching, a decent Trumbo. bullpen, Mark Trumbo, Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, and this is 2013. David Freeze before his arm was just broken. David Freeze. What I'm? Yeah, I know that's just a St. Louis <laughs> thing. Um, but yes, I don't understand why they didn't even lead. I mean, they, when they played the Royals, I don't even get it. I really don't. I, I don't know how they just collapsed that fast in 2014. I don't get it. I mean, they had so much. They have so much talent, and they had so much talent on that team. I don't understand what what's taking them so long to get it together. I mean, seriously, I don't understand it. How are, how do you have that injury. much talent? Injuries. No, it wasn't injuries. In 2014, they had everybody playing in the postseason. Because just the Royals were a better team. It sometimes but I, I mean, they had the, the, the Angels the had Mariners the better players. In 2001 had the best record we've ever seen in baseball, and they lost in the first round. That's just how it works. You can't. I don't like it. I'm sure I'm a lot upset. of people don't like I'm it. Sorry that I'm baseball sorry that doesn't everything please you. Is, yeah, baseball is not meant to please us here. I, yeah, baseball is. Football yeah. sure does. Best team wins every year. Well, they're the, the best, best quarterback. quarterback of all time. <laughs> that, that's a whole another like that. conversation. But we're talking baseball here. Football can kind of just. Yeah, it's, it's time for baseball to take center stage. Yes, it is. I know playoffs are going on in hockey and basketball. Yeah. We will get to hockey. Later on in the show today. And for those who are wondering, the NFL draft we will be talking about next week. Yes. Yes. As it gets closer to the day. Yes. But another yes. team I want to take as our final part here before we go to the award ceremony. Award ceremony. Is the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, uh, yeah. What is the team that was kind of stuck at third place that would have won any other division with 92 wins last year. The Tampa Bay Rays is one of those teams that just is they're in the wrong division at the wrong time. I feel like it's one of those teams that you kind of forget about. Like when you're trying to name off major league teams. They're, that, they're, they're the 30th team you come up they're, with. They're one like, of the oh, last yeah, there's that team in Tampa with. Bay that plays in, uh, plays in a dome or something. They're like, <laughs> yeah, they had a race. That's the race. Yeah, I hate their stadium. And now they're in first place in their division, and I don't quite understand why. Aren't they like 10-3 and three right now? They have two pitchers who have an ERA under one. Like that's just one of those two starters. is my pitcher of the week. A little bit of foreshadowing there. Oh, my goodness. And it's not Blake Snell. Yeah, well, here's my thing with Tampa Bay. 
they kind of have Tommy Pham, and I feel like that just gives me some incentive to root for them because they just have an ex-Cardinal that I seem to really, really like. And so that right there is the reason why I think I'm thrilled that Tampa Bay is good because I just want to see him do well. I want to see... When you're a Cardinal, you're always a Cardinal. I, I want to see just... I like I like seeing different teams in playoffs every year. So I like right. baseball so much. There's always you see teams like the the A's who were in the playoffs last year that no one expected to be there. And I just like seeing different teams. And I can see the Rays taking over that second spot in the, in the East, assuming that the Yankees and Red Sox just keep doing terrible. Yeah, I mean I'm not happy that the Yankees and Red Sox are doing terrible. You because, should be. Well, I'm not happy about it. Um, the reason why I'm not happy about it is because 50% of the teams that you mentioned in that statement are doing terrible, and so that, to me, is a, is a majority. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, the main reason why people hate the Yankees is because they, like, are good and win every year, and they want everybody they else to have a chance. fans would like to just bring up 27 rings? As their <laughs> well, only I'm, yeah, I, they're a good team. They, okay. And you do the same thing well, when no, you say 11 rings? I, you know what? St. Louis has been Science. around. I will give Yankee fans this. St. Louis has been around since when? Like 1882. And then the Yankees have been around since 1901. And the Yankees have 27 rings and St. Louis has 11. So to me, that is something. I think they've been around. I mean, there are teams. The Braves are by far are the oldest team. Um, I think when were they established? Like 1870? When were the Atlanta? Actually, the Reds are the oldest team. You know, fun I thought fact the Braves here, were. Fun, fun fact here. Now, the they Reds, were under different names, but I thought the Braves were. This is something probably y'all don't really know. The Reds play every year on opening day at home because they're the oldest team in the league. I didn't know that. They've, every game, they, ha- they start their home opener on opening day. I never Reds were that. established in 1881. The Braves were established in 1871. Wow, I was wrong. <laughs> Braves were established as the Boston um, Braves, I believe. Boston Red Stockings. And then they 1871 went to, to 1875. Then they went to the Boston Red Caps, Boston Bean Eaters. Were they actually called the Boston Red Stockings? Yeah, that was the first team. It was a weird time. Yeah, Boston Bean Eaters, then the Boston Doves, and the Boston Rustlers, then the Boston Braves in 1912. And then they went to Milwaukee for a little bit. Yeah, then they went the to Milwaukee in 53, and then they became Atlanta in 1966. By far the oldest team in the MLB that was not the Cincinnati, Cincinnati at least I will give you the Cincinnati was always um was always Cincinnati they were the red stockings in 1882 but they were always Cincinnati Atlanta started out um in Boston and then went to Milwaukee and then became Atlanta I have a question they have a team called the red stockings in the past do they have a team called the white stockings I have to look they this up do there was the Cubs at first were called the Chicago white stockings hmm. that Play I did story, not yes. know that and then I did not know they that moved at all. up north, and then the White Sox just kind of just took that old name and was in the south, south side. Wow. And with that, it's time for us to pick our awards here because we're running a little short in time here. So I'm going to go first with the team of the week. As you know, last week for me was the Seattle Mariners. This week, the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, it's very hard to go against the Mariners, but the way they have just played, they have won – Five of their last six games, only lost to the Giants, and they were in it six to four earlier in the week. But a week like that, I mean, I was stuck between them and the Los Angeles Angels, who were on a six-game win streak. Yeah, I went for my team of the week. I did, in fact, go with the Mariners, and we talked about them a bit to open this segment here, so I'm don't, not going to spend too much time on it. But 13-2, and two, most consecutive games with a home run to open the season. That's an MLB record in 15 games, and they lead the league in nearly every offensive stat. So is that pace going to hold? No. 
There's there's not a chance that it holds, but for now they're playing very well. Okay, can I just say this? My team of the week, um, last week I picked the um, Nationals with absolutely no reason. They did not do well. Um, I would pick them this week, but the Cardinals did sweep the Dodgers, so I have to acknowledge that. Um, the World Series appearing Los Angeles Dodgers. Back-to-back back losers. Were, well, they're still a good team. Swept them <laughs> 4-0. With, are, they, they were a pretty hot team. They've, they've been very good. Uh, swept them in St. Louis 4-0. Um, came from behind yesterday. Played very, very well. So, yes. All right. Hitter of the week. Last week I picked Cody Bellinger, who had a start to the season to remember. This week... I picked the Kansas City Royals' longest hit streak owner, and that is Whit Merrifield, a player I wish the Cubs traded for, but they I know they won't, but still. Whit, 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 geez, I need to take a little break here. Whit Merrifield has had a great season. He got 16 hits. He's banned 340. He's five homers. He broke Kansas City legend George Brett's hit streak at 31, and I think it's just amazing. 31 games. That makes that makes me think of Joe DiMaggio's legendary fifty-six. Yeah, a record that no one will break. Right. I will say that I will put money on it, and no one will ever break that record. Just a record like that is just insane. And yeah. at his last at-, at bat of the game, who ended that streak? But Connor Sadzek, a twenty-five-year-old who was recalled from AAA just a couple weeks ago to help out the Mariners bullpen. Of all people, it's him who ends the streak. And my hitter of the week last week, I chose Christian Yelich, who also had a beginning of the season to remember. This week, I chose Mike Trout. I feel like that might sound like a little bit of a cop-out because he's the best player in baseball. Listen, he had 12 (laughs) at-bats this week. He was 6 for 12, 8 RBIs, and 4 home runs. Wow. That is is an impressive stat line, and I was looking through the other numbers. I really felt like there was no one else I could choose but Trout. Okay, um... This week I'm going to choose, and I think FP um, Santon Gallo acknowledged that the uh, the post had incorrectly stated uh, this guy, had incorrectly spelled, excuse me, this guy's name. Um, they called him Victory Robles. <laughs> Let the joke just sink in for a second. It's like the... Let the joke just sink in for a second. Okay. Victor Robles. Down like to their the final strike. pitcher on uh, the what? A's. Excuse pitches. me. Down to their final strike. Again, in a game against the Phillies in which Harper had homered off of Strasburg, in which was a com- which appeared to be a complete and utter disaster. Jan Gomes, of course, also homered, but this kid's 21 years old. Tied the game down in the final strike and then came back the next game and had an awesome game as well. Um, definitely <laughs> a great player, um, and he deserves a lot of mention because he's been um, one of the many, many, many storylines in this Nationals lineup that's trying to prove that Bryce Harper, they can be competent without. All right. For the pitcher of the week, last week I had Jacob DeGrom, who was on pace to break Nolan Ryan's strikeout record at 384 instead of Ryan's 383. This week I picked Luis Castillo of the Cincinnati Reds, who has been a lifelong prospect, and it looks to to finally emerge as what everyone thought he was. This week in his last start, he went seven innings, allowing two hits and striking out eight. And out of his... Last 14 innings, he's only allowed one run and striking out 17 players. Wow. that That's just... Wow. Seven innings, one run. That is wow. 14 innings, one run. That's insane. Wow. And I think he he deserves recognition, especially being on the Reds, who are in the same boat as the Cubs right now as being in the bottom of the Central. Absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. Now, I alluded to my pitcher of the week earlier. Last week, I chose Trevor Bauer, 
having one hit through the two games that he pitched and having a no-hitter bid through seven innings, but then the rest of the team kind of screwed that up. Anyways, my pitcher of the week this week is Tyler Glass now with the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, my goodness. He's been 2-0 and this past week, 12 innings pitched, 5 hits, 0 runs, 2 walks, and 17 strikeouts. 11 of those strikeouts came in one game. He is one of the only pitchers on, or one of those pitchers on Tampa Bay with a ERA under 1. He is point, a point five three ERA. I'm going to go with Kevin Gosman of the Braves. Um, they had, uh, they beat Miami 4-0. Uh, Gosman went a solid 7 innings, allowing only 2 hits and uh, 2 walks and 7 strikeouts. Um, very, very good effort by the Braves. Um, they've obviously have had a little bit of issues this season. They're not the same team that we thought they were going to be after what happened last year. But I think Gosman um, really held down the fort in that game and is uh, showing us why he is deserving, d- excuse me, deserving of my award for him being Pitcher of the Week. All right, that's up for that's the end of this week in baseball. We're going to head off the break. When we come back, we're going to do a quick little look around the Stanley Cup playoffs and what's happened so far. You're listening to the Hot Corner. Stay tuned. Whether it be t-shirts for your charity event or jerseys for your intramural team, one-to-one print shop can handle your custom apparel needs. If you need inspiration crafting a design, you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram at one-to-one print shop to check out some of their latest work. You can also visit their website at one-to-oneprintshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Harbin. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love drives a man insane. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, they officially begun two days ago, and I love it so far. If you're looking for upsets, how about those Columbus Blue Jackets? Oh. They four unanswered. Oh, they trailed no. at the end of the first period, three to zero, and came back and won that game four to three. It was something incredible. I thought Tampa Bay was going to sweep them. I honestly did. And then Columbus just came in and they showed fight until the end, and they ended up coming out with the win. That hey, game. you know what? I guess somebody told Tampa Bay to quit sweeping about it. Michael, you have lost your talking privileges for today. We will and just Michael refuse will to acknowledge his existence for the remainder of the show. Michael will... Go Capitals! You will not hear from Michael for the rest of the show. Like, something about Columbus. There's some... After I watched some highlights from it, because I didn't... I was knee-deep in studying for a very big test. And I was taking some time to look at some highlights and just the way Columbus played in that third period. It was just something to watch. I know you don't want to acknowledge it coming from Chicago, but the Blues had a pretty darn good game. They as did. Well. They scored a like in the final, I believe, eight, eight minutes of the third period against yeah. Winnipeg. In Winnipeg, which is a very hard place to Bennington, win. Bennington, let me just acknowledge, I, is a fantastic goalie. He is. He um, is. He I wish we had him. Was, you do wish I can't remember the exact record, but he had some record that was insane. and he's been, he's been great. I want to talk about Columbus for a second, though. They entered the trade deadline and made all these moves to kind of make themselves poised for a push. You know, Artemi Panarin's in his contract year. He's probably going to be walking out the door this offseason. They went and acquired Matt Duchesne, and they went and acquired Ryan Zingle, I even believe. 
I'm I can't there's there was someone else they got I can't remember exactly who, but they made their push, they got their guys and it seems now, to be paying off. It it does seem to be paying off and if, I mean it's the series is still young, but they have one win that the Lightning don't now. And one win that the Lightning those don't. Those scoring four unanswered goals. If I'm the Lightning, I'm a little uh, shaken up by that. I think the storm clouds have gone away. And I think Columbus Blue Jackets are here to stay. Stop. They Stop. got their way. <laughs> Another game that I liked was the Islanders. <laughs> Islanders and that overtime winner. Like, yeah, John, that was pretty incredible. Josh Bailey. That was pretty incredible. You know what? Why is it, why do I feel like that the teams that were I mean, except for Washington, of course, and I feel like um we're gonna be the next casualty to fall in this NHL playoff series of teams pulling off upsets. But um, let me just acknowledge that this is turning out to be a pretty exciting um, NHL playoffs, largely because I think that the teams that we all thought were going to dominate have not been dominating. Washington almost gave up that game. I mean, if you saw it, they were ahead, I think, 3-0. Then they, and then uh, the, the Canes, Canes came back, came back and scored two. And scored two. I mean, I, I feel like we're seeing a shift of momentum here, and I feel like we're going to see a couple teams that – we weren't expecting in the Stanley Cup Finals. What do you guys think? It's exciting because a lot of these games were close. You have the Stars and Predators. The Stars won 3-2. to two. Islanders won 4-3 to three against the Penguins. Capitals won 4-2 to two against the Hurricanes. There's just... There are a few games that were that were blowouts. Um, Flames and Avalanche being the primary one of that 4-0. to zero. Let's Flames say the Leafs also. They're a little bit of a blowout. They won 4-1. to one. Yeah, 4-1. to one. So... There were a couple blowouts, but a lot of these games were largely close, and I think it's going to be an interesting first round because it doesn't feel like... I, we came in thinking, oh, some of these teams might not be as qualified. They have less points than the other than other wildcard teams have in the past, and it's not looking like that. It's looking like this is going to be a fun first round to be watching. So, yeah, bottom line, guys, if you haven't tuned into any hockey, I strongly suggest you do um, because this is turning out to be one heck of a Stanley Cup playoff um, appearance from a lot of teams, and... Weird really? plug for a league that doesn't really need to be plugged. I uh, mean, they're the National Hockey League. They have the publicity. Please. But give them the plug hockey. if you want. It's Now, I haven't exactly been one who's followed a lot of hockey. Not until this year when Logan kind of forced me into watching some Blackhawks games. And it turned out to be something I really enjoyed. I didn't force you. You chose you on your own You got so accord. emotional on this. You had game. emotional. You had, or you had a. It, it, it got to the point at home where I'm like, hey, why don't we put the Blackhawks game on? My parents are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> You've changed. Like so some, something right here. He's changed. But watching some of the games yesterday, there's just something about playoff hockey that's just that's just so much fun to watch. I know some people will laugh at me. I would say it's like watching playoff baseball. There's just that feeling. It's intense. It's, it's a, like you don't even cheer for some of the teams, but yet you're like your heart's racing in those final Be- minutes of the game because you know anything can happen at any point. Boston's been a great team to watch this year. The Flames have been one of my favorite teams to watch. They're my winners. <laughs> I, I still I still have Tampa Bay winning it, but I do have them playing Calgary in the finals. It's just it's it's a lot of fun to watch and it's something that really gets you going even if you're not in it. It's right. it's amazing. It was even watching like the national championship this week. Like I wasn't exactly involved in either team, but my heart was racing in in, in overtime and in the final few minutes. Yeah. I just I feel like and and I know um I'm not a particularly a, a huge Blues fan. I'm a Caps fan, as we've we've been over this. Um, but just seeing Jordan Bennington, Bennington, excuse me, 
um, play against Winnipeg was pretty incredible. And I got to tell you, I think St. Louis has some real talent with their goalie. Um, and they're going to take a lot of real advantage of that. I know we talked a lot about the Blues and not having a chance to win the Stanley Cup Finals, even though they're making one heck of a playoff run. I was guilty of this as well. Um, but I don't know if they're going to actually be good enough to win the whole thing. But who knows? I mean, I've seen some pretty magical stuff happen. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep them in, in uh, keep them in as a horse in the race for this. I think St. Louis has a chance to make a deep run because they have what a lot of other teams don't, and that is a quality goalie. I think right. when you look at other teams, a lot of their strength, like the Flames or even the Avalanche, who are one of the lower seeds, the Lightning, they all have big big shooters and big scorers. Like, you know, the Lightning have the leading scorer in the league, Nikita Kucherov. And I feel like there's... Some, when you zig where everyone else zags is the expression, that can really pay off for you big time, and I think the Blues can experience that. So, last-minute stuff here. Are you guys sticking with your favorites right now? Because it's something I'm going to keep asking you guys as the weeks progress. I know who I'm rooting for. I don't know if I'm sticking with my favorites. I, I, right now, I'm sticking with the Flames. I'm sticking with Calgary. I, really, I have no reason to question it. Yeah, I really like rooting for Calgary. I feel like Tampa Bay, I might need to reconsider. I don't think it's going to be this early that I reconsider it, but it might be something that I do end up having to reconsider. You know what? It's a question of would you rather be wrong or would you rather be, or excuse me, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And I think that I would rather be happy because I feel like, the teams that I picked going into this, I feel like Tampa Bay has a real shot at literally blowing this. I mean, they looked like they looked fallible. They've done it before. I mean, they, yeah. I, so, you know what? I, I know I said I picked Tampa Bay to win the whole thing, um, but I kind of want to see somebody else do it just because Tampa Bay was such like a, a, a godly force this year. And I just feel like somebody has to dethrone them. My I reason, feel like my, yeah, my reason for sticking with, Tampa Bay isn't because I feel like, you know, they're not going to choke or they're not going to give it up. I feel like they are definitely fallible, and once they get to a better team, that could be an issue. But I feel like, who else am I going to choose at the moment? It's been one game. I'm not going to overreact too much, especially when they had the lead 3-0. to They just got to be able to keep a lead like that. Here's the Tampa Bay team that I love just real quick. Um, the old Tampa Bay team with Steven Stamkos and Martin St. Louis. That was a fun team that I wanted to win, and that, that was, was a team that I thought would win, but that, that didn't happen. Anyway. All right, with that, we're going to head off to break. We come back. Time for the final word. Listen to Hot Corner. Stay tuned. KCOU would like to thank Cafe Berlin for their support. Check out Cafe Berlin's delicious and diverse brunch menu at CafeBerlinComo.com. Looking for a fun night out in Columbia? Check out Cafe Berlin's live music calendar on their website as well. Thank you, Cafe Berlin, for your continued support of KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. Every Thursday morning at 8 a.m., KCOU 88.1 FM is the place to be. Make the most of your morning commute by tuning into The Cast, the Colton Anderson Sports Talk with me, Colton Anderson. Together with my partner in crime, David Coons, we break down the weekend sports with original angles and opinions you won't find anywhere else. There's no other place to be on Thursday mornings than The Cast, the Colton Anderson Sports Talk with David Coons on KCOU.FM, KCOU on the TuneIn app, and of course, 88.1 FM, KCOU Columbia. Well, 
You know you make me wanna That's our call. That's it. Time for the final word. My favorite segment of the show. What time is it? I'm not answering that question because you okay. already know what time it is. I wanted to hear you say it louder. I'm going to go first. And my story comes from Richfield, Connecticut. So, having been a retired base- high school baseball player myself, I understand that weather can play a role during the season, especially when it rains. I remember having to pour pound after pound of field dry on the field and having to rake it in on the mound, third base, you know, you name it, I was there. And it was not fun work. I especially remember one of my coaches using a leaf blower to try to dry the field. Now, this week's story, as I said, comes out of Richfield, Connecticut. Before a game against Amity, someone poured 25 gallons of gasoline to help, quote-unquote, dry the field. Wow. The result was, well, not good for school. It cost them $50,000 to fix the field. And in the end, it actually did not dry it. (laughs) I know... I can relate to this because there's been times I've thought about doing this, especially back home when there's those big rains that happened in the middle of March for no reason whatsoever. Then I'm like, you know what? What if we took gasoline and just put it on the field and see what happens? (laughs) After after reading this, I think I'll have to just stick with picking up those hundreds of pounds of field dry that I had to do. I've always had the thought in the summer when I have to mow the lawn, what if I just burn it? (laughs) What if I just burn it? Then do I need to still mow it? Because it's not going to be growing anymore after that, I can tell you that much. Mow it one more time, and then it's just, it's all charred, and I, I won't need to worry about it anymore. Right, you're up, Michael. Okay, my hero of the week is the 6'2", 224-pound outfielder for the Washington Nationals from Santo Domingo, the Dominican Republic, Juan Soto. <laughs> Hit a three-run home run in the 10th inning to lift Washington over Philadelphia. Um, very, very great player. Uh, you love to see a 20-year-old fill in the place or fill in the void that Bryce Harper. You know, had. he's only uh, a couple years older than us. You know that? Uh, he is exactly <laughs> a year and a month older than me, which is surprising because seeing this guy dominate at such a high level and be that replacement for Bryce Harper. Um, well, I mean, nobody can really replace Bryce Harper, but the Nationals have been yeah. – Excuse me. Have been putting <laughs> a lot of pieces into place to try and get there, and I think they're doing it. And they were very successful in the series versus Philadelphia, winning 15 to one last night, um, and then, or excuse me, the night before last night, and then obviously beating Philadelphia in that come from behind 10-6 win. Yeah, we're getting to a point where a lot of athletes are close to our age, 19, Oof. 20. It's making Around me upset. It's, sad. it's making me feel old. Always makes you feel less successful. I feel like you're up, Logan. My final word story. I like to send you off with a feel-good story, as you all know, comes to you from. The great town of St. Bernard, Ohio. Now, what happened in St. Bernard? At Roger Bacon High School, there was a runner named Keith Gauss. He was first place in the 100 meter, and he won with the four-man 200 meter relay at the Norwood Invitational Meet. And he was favored to win the 200 meter dash. And this race is going on. You can see there's a video of it where a student walks onto the track, and Gauss and him collide. Now... They later learned that the student had a disability, and Gauz actually ended up not finishing the race to check on him. He was there checking on him the entire time. He was fine, but he was asking the student if he was fine. What he says, for a minute or two at the most, I was not thinking about who the random guy was. After I calmed down, I immediately went over to check on the young man to see if he was okay. He said he was okay, but I know the impact hurt him. I shook his hand because I didn't want him to feel any worse than he already did. I then went to put him on my put on my Roger Bacon gear and walked back over to check on him a second time to give him a hug. I told him to stay strong, and that I forgave him because the race became not as important after the collision. Wow. And I think that's something really special. 
Assistant Athletic Director Brandon Spath of the of the school, Roger Bacon High School, says, what I saw last night was the coolest moment in my four years at Roger Bacon. So that's high praise for from Brandon Spath, the Assistant Athletic Director, and just a great story, I thought. Sportsmanship at its finest. All right, and with that, that is the end of another episode of The Hot Corner. Make sure to follow us on our social media account at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Carrion, Michael Amami at Imami Michael, and Logan at the Logan Franz. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, and any other podcast service you use, and under the name The Hot Corner. We hope you have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend, and we hope to see you next week, same place, same time. This has been The Hot Corner, signing off.